This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv, just connecting with Lawrence Gunther for a conversation all about electric vehicles. So while we work on that, let's bring in Alex Smythe for the weather story of the day. And Alex, you're looking to the west this morning. Yeah, Dave, my own stomping ground of Alberta because it's a very wacky day for weather in the province. Uh, Strong winds and warm temperatures are really providing an unusual start for December. So how unusual it is? Well, the wind gusts are gonna be reaching upwards of 100 kilometers per hour today, especially in those southern foothills in southern Alberta. And so with those strong winds comes obviously the risk of down power lines, falling trees. So caution is advised while traveling due to those strong winds. But the unusual pattern of temperature is the other aspect I really want to dive into today because there's some parts of the province that could see 20 degrees above normal temperatures today. So Medicine Hat, for example, they're expected to have a high of 17 degrees. Oh, come that on. Would be, that would be 19 degrees above seasonal today. And it's not just isolated to there. Calgary, Alberta, the highest expected to be 15 degrees today. Their average temperature, minus one. So that's 16 degrees above normal. Grand Prairie and Medicine Hat, uh, Grand Prairie, sorry, and Fort McMurray, they're both expected to be 11 degrees above seasonal today. And that is is northern Alberta. mm -hmm. Yeah, so seeing positive uh, temperatures as you get like uh, Edmonton and north is highly, highly unusual. This could even be along the lines of record setting in some parts of the province you know specifically when you're getting those 20 degrees above normal you're really kind of getting close to that fine line of record setting temperature for the month of december so it's really unusual that said though it's going to be very short-lived come tomorrow it's going to be back into the low single digits and then by next week you're back into the negative temperatures so for those in alberta you know, it's it's not a bad way to enjoy a bit of a a bright uh, spot of of uh, warm temperatures. Just be mindful of the wind if you're going to be out and about because some areas are going to be very very windy. Hope you didn't put the barbecues away just yet, friends in Alberta. Alex, thank you for this. Coming up in 60 seconds, what's it going to take to get more people to invest in an electric vehicle? Lawrence Gunther will consider that question. But first. Here is Canadian press reporter Karen Rebo with your Morning Business Minute. Canada's main stock index moved a little lower yesterday. Toronto's TSX index lost 42 points to close at 20,410. New York's Dow Jones average lost 41 points and the Nasdaq tumbled 119. In Tokyo this morning, the Nikkei index plunged 455 points. The February gold contract was down 47.50 yesterday to just over $2,042 U.S. an ounce. And our dollar is trading overseas this morning at 73.7. 79 cents US.
CBC announced yesterday it's cutting roughly 10% of its workforce in response to rising production costs, falling TV ad revenue and fierce competition from the digital giants. The head of Sobeys says Canada's grocery retail sector is one of the most competitive in the world. Michael Medline told MPs on the Commons Agriculture Committee that this, coupled with Canada's food inflation being among the lowest in the world, is of little comfort to struggling Canadians. From the Canadian Press Business Desk, I'm Karen Rebo. Thank you very much, Karen. Staying in the world of business, sort of, electric car sales are on the rise globally. The International Energy Agency says sales jumped to more than 10 million units last spring. However, a Canadian study found 66% of people said they are unlikely to consider an electric vehicle the next time they buy a car. Electric cars have been touted as a big part of the solution in reducing greenhouse gases. So what would it take for more people to buy an EV? Lawrence Gunther has been pondering this question. Lawrence is the host of Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther. Hey, good morning, Lawrence. Hi, Dave. How are you? Lawrence, I'm great. Interesting topic here. Lots of threads to tug at. The first one being cost, because generally speaking, electric vehicles cost more to buy than your conventional combustion engine vehicle. Governments have created some rebate programs to offset prices. Is that enough? You know, Dave, the first people to buy these electric vehicles, like I'm talking the pure electric vehicles, not hybrids, and we'll get into that a little bit later, but they were the early adopters, right? People who, you know, like to be the first and 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 have these cars as lifestyle cars. It's not a functional thing. It's not a practical thing. It's just say, hey, look at me. I'm driving a Tesla or, you know, I'm a Ford Mustang EV or, you know, one of these. These are all expensive cars. They're beyond the cost reach of most people. And even if you have a $5,000 rebate program, there's still a lot more cheaper ICE, you know, internal combustion engine cars out there that are way too attractive and and are good old, you know, cars that have good value that we know have worked well in the past that are just way more cost uh, effective in terms of their price. So people are buying them. Now, Lawrence, the narrative that you're talking about there is a little bit of an older narrative, though. It's not all $100,000 Teslas on the road anymore. Every car manufacturer has made some sort of investment on the EV side. So what is the landscape when it comes to budget-friendly options that exist for buyers? There's a few inexpensive ones out there, the Bolt, the Leaf, but they're so boring and they have such poor range, and they're, so, they're just not inspiring cars. Like, you look at what's going on out there in the car market. The, these low-cost electric cars are really, you're, if you're making a statement on one of those, you're saying, hey, look at me, I'm driving this really boring electric car around in the city. The, the nicer cars, the more fun cars, are, are the hybrids now. And this is where that's rocking the marketplace. You know, you're, and it's where the industry is turning because... EV cars, the pure electric cars, those sales are dropping off. You know, they're expensive. They the the industry thought, well, people are loving these electric cars and they're and they jacked up their prices in the last three or four years. They jacked them up way through the roof. And um and and people were buying them, but they were the early adopters. And then when they really started pumping them out, this those sales started dropping off because the price point is just too high. But where people are jumping in is in the hybrid market. These are cost-effective cars. You can still say, hey, I've got an electric car, but it still has a gas engine in it and that's the issue right there's still gas cars well so so why do hybrids present 
a solution here, maybe a more, maybe a more practical solution for the average consumer? Well, they deal with a couple things, and one is range, range anxiety, right? You know, we're Canada is a huge country, and it's one thing to have an electric car to buzz around in your uh, your community. You know, just you don't have to go far. You put on maybe on average 50 kilometers a day to go to work and back and run a few errands. You can plug it in at home. You don't need to worry about gas. You don't need to worry about lining up at uh, those mysterious EV charging stations, which is just not enough of. And when you do find them, quite often they're broken. And that's fine. But most people, they have one car. They want to use it for, you know, buzzing around town, but they also want to get out of the city and go visit, you know, relatives and family and friends and places and vacation outside the city. And that's where the range uh, range anxiety kicks in. So this is where the hybrid is, is coming back strong, right? You, you can say, look, you can do electric in the city and you can do gas on the highway. And, uh, but the problem is, People are just doing gas all the time because they forget to plug them in a home or they don't have a place to plug them in a home that's convenient and they just rely on the gas or a lot of hybrids don't even plug in, right? They just charge off the gas engine. So really they're internal combustion engine vehicles with a little hint of electric capacity built into them. Uh, Lawrence, there's there's a lot to unpack in that answer. I do think it's worth noting, again, for the sake of like modernizing the conversation here, a lot yeah. of the ranges are no longer 30 or 40 kilometers. We're in like the yeah. hundreds of kilometers now on a lot of these ranges on EVs, like even, even some of the cost-effective ones. So I, again, I think just for the sake of having this conversation honestly, we need to make sure we're giving people the actual right data oh, yeah. points. Now, the one yeah. thing you did mention there is the component of charging and ease of charging. I can't speak to what you cited about uh, the ones in public being broken, but I can speak to this. There is a serious infrastructure deficit in regards to making electric vehicles more commonplace, not just in terms of public charging stations, but building codes, having the right kind of amperage and charging capacities in somebody's home. Think about the number of people who live in condos or apartments. You have to go through the board to put a charging station in if you're allowed to do that at all. So I think what really needs to happen here in a broader conversation, if people are gonna buy in, is actually creating way more charging infrastructure. Absolutely. And you see some condo buildings actually uh, saying we're not going to put charging stations in for various reasons. It's insurance reasons. They're, they're worried about fires. And, uh, you know, when you have a, a, an electric vehicle fire with those batteries, those lithium batteries, they, they, they burn quite hot and they're very difficult to put out. It's not something you want in the basement of your condominium or your apartment building necessarily to have a, a raging, intense heat fire. That, that can't be extinguished easily uh, taking place, right? So there's that. There's there's also, you know, if you're going on the highway and you stop, you know, it, it's 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 a 20-minute, 30-minute charge uh, to get up to 80% quite often. And um, if there's a charge station that's broken, the lineup can be a bit high. Also, Dave, we have weather, like we have cold weather, which means you're, your heat has to run and that draws off the battery. And in the summer we have hot weather and that means your AC has to run and that takes off the battery. And in, in the extreme cold, your batteries need to be warm to actually function in the first place. So if you're parking your car outside in minus 30, minus 40 degree weather, there's a good chance the batteries aren't going to come to life right away. They You have to ig ignite your car's um, ignition 
And the first thing it does is warms up the batteries so the batteries can actually function. And uh, that can take a little bit of time, right? So people are talking about frozen battery issues. So there's all that. And, and just to be clear, you know, the range issue, when I mentioned 50 kilometers, that's the study of what people normally drive in the in the city on average. It's not the range. The range of most electric vehicles is around 250 kilometers now. Some are pushing into 500 kilometers, 600 kilometers. The new Cybertruck was supposed to be uh, way up there. It just came out last Thursday. It's coming in at around uh, 500 miles, so about six, 700 kilometers. And it, But that's still, you know, a trip from Ottawa to Toronto, right? In, in the wintertime, you'd be pushing the envelope. You'd probably have to stop and, and charge at some point if you're running your AC or your heat. You're not going right. to get there on a single charge. Right. I, I, I'm, I'm totally willing to accept that premise. Absolutely. But I think, again, yeah. that's where it comes into this idea of if you're going to do this, if there's going to be a broader mm -hmm. investment and asking people to buy in to EVs, there needs to be an infrastructural investment as well, whether that's government yeah. or the private sector. I know Parkland, for example, owns a series of gas stations uh, in Western Canada, and they've made a huge investment in regards to more uh, EV charging stations because they realized, hey, if somebody has to spend 20 minutes while they're charging here, we're going to sell them more water. We're going to sell them more food. We're going to sell them stuff. So there can still be a business case made here for that investment mm -hmm. by the private sector. It's not simply on the government to go build these charging stations. The private sector is going to get a little bit of buy-in on this as well. Uh, Lawrence, I think for the purpose of making this a more holistic conversation, though, it should be noted that electric cars, much like the carbon tax, in and of themselves are not actually a climate policy. They are sort of a piece of a bigger puzzle. And I think it is at least worth discussing somewhat that electric vehicles might not actually be the ultimate green solution that they're sometimes advertised as uh, disingenuously by both uh, the government and the private sector. Yeah, it, you know, if your if your electric uh, grid is powered with coal or natural gas or oil, you know, you're not really doing anything beneficial for the climate, right? You're really creating electricity to charge your car using fossil fuels. So that's a problem. And and face it, we don't have enough electric infrastructure in most of provinces of Canada that's renewable or that's you know greenhouse gas friendly uh, to to take on a whole bunch of new electric vehicles and people realize that it's it's the conversation everywhere is that, yeah I buy an electric vehicle but look in already there's communities where we're you know dealing with brownouts in, in in the summertime when everyone's turning on their air conditioners we're seeing this in the states a lot now in California and they're you know they're mandating electric vehicles by 2035 no more ice engines being sold after that point, and yet they're they're, they're having you know uh, electric restrictions in terms of electrical usage by consumers. So people are worried. They're saying, uh, you know, how can I have an electric car when I can barely you know air condition my home without worrying about the electricity being shut off? So I, my concern, Dave, is this resurgence of hybrid cars is that's really taking off, and electric vehicle sales are are slowing. And you're seeing manufacturers sort of step away from the pure electric vehicle and, and get back into hybrids. And some of these new hybrid cars, you know, they have the gas engine, they have the electric uh, engine, they have the battery, but they don't even offer a, a, a sort of a fuel saving, 
in some of these vehicles in terms of how much gas these vehicles use. They just simply offer, if you want to uh, bop around town a little bit on just pure electricity, they'll do that. But mostly the electricity is almost there as a as a pump, as a bump to your le- a gas engine to give you more horsepower, to give you more speed, and it becomes a performance thing. So hybrid cars and vehicles are becoming a sort of a hyper-performance vehicle with more horsepower, more get-up-and-go, you know, zero to 60 in four seconds. And they're being advertised like that, not as a, as economic, um, you know, efficient greenhouse gas sort of conservation-type-minded vehicles. It's it, And when you buy one of these cars, most people have their cars for 10 years. So this is going to delay our adoption of pure electric vehicles, potentially by, you know, another 10 years easily. Lawrence, thank you for this. I appreciate the conversation. Yeah, thanks, Dave. That's Lawrence Gunther. He's the host of Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther. You can find that show Saturdays at 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time on AMI-audio. You can find Lawrence on Twitter at Lawrence Gunther. Coming up after the break, holiday festivities are ramping up all over Alberta. Community reporter Anna Kim will tell you what's to come. This is now with Dave Brown on AMI TV. Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. I'm Margaret Shepard of the AMI podcast, Tripping On Air. Every month, my co-host Alex Hajar and I spill the tea on what it's really like to live with MS. Watch Tripping On Air on YouTube or download wherever you get your pods.